Today we're going to look at a song that, the, that Mary, the mother of Jesus, sang. And it's called the Magnificat. Let's read the words of Scripture as they're recorded in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 46 through 55. Mary said these words, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. And holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown great strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud. I love that beauty, beautiful verse. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones, and he has lifted up the lowly. And he has filled the hungry with good things. And he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promises he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, do you sing in the car? How many people sing in the car when no one else is around? I mean, this is, I mean, I'm not going to ask you to sing right now. I'm just curious. A lot of people do that. Now, how many people sing in the car when other people are around? A few, a little bit? Oh, quite a few still. You know, um, there was an interview the other day. Do you know about this movie called La La Land that's coming out? Uh, It looks great. Has anyone actually seen it? Sorry to keep making you raise your hands, but okay, you didn't have to. It looks like a great movie. It's a musical set in Los Angeles, and there is singing going on everywhere, which is what we do in Los Angeles. We just sing everywhere we go, right? It's just this la-la land that we live in. And the director was asked, or the writer was asked, uh, is it unnatural for people to be singing everywhere they go? And these are the words that he said. He said, I wanted this movie to be very unapologetic about being a musical, And to try to just return to that simpler idea that I think really was at the core of those 1930s, 1940s, and 1950s musicals, which is that if you feel enough, listen to this part, if you feel enough, you break into song. If you're in love enough or happy enough or sad enough, then you break into a number. And that's, to me, that's what the genre hinges on and all you really need. Now, you may think that you don't break into song in your life when things happen, when sad things happen or joyful things happen, but I would counter that a little bit. For example, when you're in the traditional service and the offering comes forward after everybody's given their offering, everybody in the room spontaneously jumps to their feet and starts singing. Do you know the song? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Okay, not everybody does that. That's a little outside of the kind of normal flow of the world. Here's a more common example. You're at a party. There's a lot of people around. And suddenly someone walks into the party with a cake. And on top of the cake, there are candles. And what do you start singing? Happy birthday to you. 
You see, we do respond, at least today, in small part, to the things that happen in our lives with song and with little, little vignettes, little, little musical interludes. And we don't think it's that strange or unusual. And that's what Mary is doing in this moment. Now, to set the scene a little bit for you, Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who has previously, her, she's found out that she's pregnant, which is unusual because her husband's church tradition tells us that Elizabeth's husband was 92 years old. And, and he met an angel who told him that his wife would be pregnant, that he and his wife would, would have a baby. And so she became pregnant, which was unbelievable. And she is Mary's cousin, the mother of Jesus, who lives a long way off, and and the scripture tells us in the Judean countryside. And so Mary goes to visit Elizabeth after Mary discovers that she's pregnant by way of an angel who tells her that that, that she will be having a baby not with with her fiance, Joseph, who she's engaged to be married with, but she'll be having a baby by way of the Holy Spirit. And it will happen before they're married. And so... Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, and as she walks up to Elizabeth, before they have any conversation, Elizabeth yells out to Mary these words. Oh, first, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy. I mean, just this, this un, I don't know if you've, for women who have been pregnant, I hear the baby sometimes flips. They just flip around. They like to roll around and flutter and kick and do all these fun things. Well, The baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy. And listen to these words of scripture. God has blessed you. This is what Elizabeth says. God has blessed you above all women. And he has blessed the child you carry. Why do I have this honor that the mother of my Lord should come to me as soon as I heard your greeting? And she says, as soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is she who believed, this is Mary, believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. What an incredible thing. Mary just encounters Elizabeth, and Elizabeth, by some supernatural occurrence, discovers that Mary is not just pregnant, but she's pregnant with the child, the Savior, the King of the world. Mary doesn't tell this to Elizabeth. Elizabeth knows this by some powerful movement of the Holy Spirit. And so as a result, Mary stops in her tracks and she starts to sing. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, that he would look with favor on the lowliness of his servant. And this is what I would like to kind of focus on is a lot of people think that Mary's perfect and that's why God chose her. That Mary is this this righteous, upright, perfect girl without any blemish in her life. And actually, that couldn't be further from the truth. Mary is the one who says that she is this low, she has this, this status of lowliness. She's the one inside of the scripture that talks about her not being worthy of receiving the honor that she has received from God. See, that's the really beautiful thing is is Mary, I think, was chosen by God because she really didn't feel like she was up to the task. She sensed that she she was not adequate for the challenge at hand, that she was not prepared, and, and in fact, she was a broken human being. How could anyone choose someone like Mary? 
You know, uh, mercy is one of those things that it has a strange relationship. From a young age, you start to learn about mercy. Do you remember the first time you learned about mercy <laughs> from an older brother? Does anyone have older brothers or sisters? I learned about mercy that way. Remember the Christmas story where the bully takes uh, Ralphie's little brother and he goes over and he takes his arm behind his back, right? And he twists it upwards. It's really painful, by the way. It's not, it won't hurt you. So if you want to feel it, ask someone to do it for you later today. But they might make you yell the word mercy. Now, if you say mercy quietly when someone pulls your arm up behind the back, uh, that's not enough. The older brother usually makes you yell mercy. Say mercy, mercy, and then they let you go. And I think that kind of corrupts our understanding of mercy as we grow in age. We think that's what God is doing to us, that God somehow has, has our arm behind our back. And that's not, God is not the bully in Chris, the Christmas story. See, it's more like this. Imagine someone walking over to the edge of a cliff, leaning forward and falling off that cliff by their own intention. And then God reaching out his hand and catching that person mid-fall. And lifting that person up and placing them back on solid ground. God wants us to be grounded in our life. God wants us to have stability. God wants us to have a, an accurate portrayal of who God is and who we are in life. And who other people are in life. You know, Mary gives us this list of all the ways that God is merciful in the passage. And they seem to be pretty obvious to most people. Uh, half of them do. The half that are obvious are the ones like this. Um, he lifts up the lowly. That definitely sounds like mercy, doesn't it? Oh, the other one that sounds like mercy is he fills the hungry with good things. That sounds like mercy to me. What a wonderful thing. He remembers his servant Israel. but in re he, he, he helps his servant Israel in remembrance of the mercy. What are the ones that don't really initially sound like mercy? He brings down the powerful from their thrones. Does that sound like mercy to you? Or uh, he sends the rich away empty. Does that sound like mercy to you? But actually, it is. See, Mary would have known more than anyone else that her life was set out for her. That she had all things in control. She was set to be married to Joseph. She would have been the apple of the eye of the community. Everything was going to go according to her plan. And then suddenly she discovered this, this thing would happen in her life. That she would have a baby outside of wedlock. Which, by the way, back then was not a good thing at all. And then when she discovered that she was going to have the baby, the man that she was engaged to be married to decided that he didn't want to marry her anymore. And broke her heart by telling her that the engagement was off. Now, fortunately, an angel met Joseph and said, Hey, buddy, stick with this lady. Things are going to happen. You're going to want to be, be the dad to this new baby. See, Mary might have been in a situation of pride. Of feeling like she had it all together. That she had her life mapped out for her. Mary really probably felt like she was in control of things. But she discovered the moment that God was in control, beautiful, really beautiful things started happening in her life. 
You know, when a powerful person is taken down from the throne, it's really the most loving thing that God can do. When a rich person is sent away empty, someone who really feels like rich in their own ways, not rich in God's ways, not, not rich in, but as though they, 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 they have it all together, that they're really rich. Well, when God sends them away empty, he's doing them a favor. He's really doing something loving for them. I love this quote about pride. This is an amazing quote. Pride will always be the longest distance between two people. Pride will always be the longest distance between two people. You know, when God scatters the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, like Mary says, that beautiful line, it's the most wonderful thing that he can do. Because he brings us down to reality. He sets us on solid ground. He takes away all those things that we've built our life upon. And we do it. All of us do it. Every single one of us convinces ourselves every day, probably, that we are rich in some way that is not directly reliant upon God. All of us set ourselves upon thrones. Whether it's, hey, you know, maybe I am the best dad ever. Maybe I, maybe I am really, really great manager, or maybe I am, maybe I am pretty good looking. Whatever, it, whatever, whatever it, way it is, we end up somehow just placing ourselves on those thrones again. And the greatest thing that God can do in our life is to dethrone us, to bring us down to reality and help us remember not just who we are, but who God is. You know, The reason that this song is called the Magnificat is because the very first words of it says, Mary says, my soul, do you know what it is? Magnifies the Lord. When you think about Mary's soul magnifying the Lord, I want you to think about a magnifying glass. A magnifying glass doesn't change what you're looking at. It just makes what's there visible. Think about a telescope as well. Instead of just making small things bigger so that we can see how beautiful the small things of God are, a telescope helps us see the really big things and how beautiful they are too. A telescope, a magnifying glass, repairs that distance between God and ourselves between things, material things in ourselves. And so too does Mary in this wonderful thing. And the reality and the beautiful Christmas story is that she's not special. That what makes her special is the blessing that she's received from God, the calling, the distinct job that God has called her to do in her life. And the best thing that we can remember at Christmas is that we are just like Mary. And that when God speaks into our life and shows us what our calling is, we discover a kind of beauty about everything that we do. You know, I love that Mary bursts into song. I love that she is humble enough to start riffing on this Old Testament song that she had contemporized and made current and something that people could understand. See, it's a song that was not unfamiliar to the people. It was a song that people had heard before, but she kind of added a new twist to it. It's a song from, from the story of Samuel, 
When Hannah and her husband were unable to have babies their whole entire life, and then suddenly Hannah prays and prays, and she says, Lord, just give me this baby. If only I could have this baby. And then she says this prayer at the temple. She says, if I could have this baby, I would dedicate this baby to you. If I could have this baby, I would take this baby, Samuel, and as soon as Samuel is just just a little kid, I will take Samuel to the temple, and I will make sure that Samuel serves you for the whole entire span of his life. And then Hannah has a baby, and names the baby Samuel, and brings Samuel to the temple, and Samuel lives in the temple away from Hannah. When you look at that deeper understanding of that song, that Mary is unpacking for us, you realize that Mary is not just singing a song of humility. She is also dedicating Jesus. She is recognizing that the whole of her life is to turn Jesus over, her son, Jesus over to God's plan for this world. See, when Mary releases her plans, not just about who her first baby's going to be or, or at what time they're going to get married or even that she's going to be the shame of the community rather than the apple of the eye. When she releases her plans for even being a mom and says, I'm going to take this baby and I'm going to turn it over to God to see what God will do. That's when we hear the Magnificat. And that's the beauty of that song. What is it that's separating you from God? What is that thing that stands between you and being able to sing? Is it pride? I know a lot of times people think that when you raise your hand in worship, it's really kind of like a look at me moment. And for some people it is. And they probably shouldn't be raising their hands. But actually, I remember the first time I did it, I was really embarrassed because it wasn't acceptable, really. People might think I'm crazy. And so for me, not for everybody, that was the thing that I needed to do in order to become humble in worship, not to become prideful in worship, but to to recognize, you know what? I'm ready to be a lunatic for Jesus. I am, I am. I am ready to be embarrassed in front of all of these people for Jesus. And that is something I am totally willing to do. Maybe that does feel like a prideful thing for you to do. Maybe your thing would be to just start singing loud in worship. Maybe for the first time you would say, you know what? It's time for me to forget about what the person in front of me, because I have the benefit of standing right next to the band and they know I'm a horrible singer, but they don't, they don't see it that way. Because that's not what the point is. The point is to, to let ourselves go and to release that pride and to not be afraid to raise our voices in joy and recognition of all that God is. Maybe the thing that separates you from God is, who knows? Maybe it's some form of brokenness that you've experienced in your life. Something that you have led yourself to the cliff and you have jumped off 100%. And what you need to experience is God's mercy in your life that catches you in the midst of that brokenness and lifts you up and places you on the ground. And the best part of that is when you experience God's mercy, suddenly you begin to experience God's grace you suddenly discover that God isn't just the God that that 
that saves us from the eventual punishment that is due to us. But God is the God who gives us more than we deserve. And that's what Mary was really singing about. God is the God who showers us with blessings and, and, and showers us with blessings even when we don't realize it. So maybe, maybe that thing that separates you from God is just the recognition of all the ways that God has blessed you and lavished his love on you in your life. What can separate us now? With Jesus in our life, there is nothing that can separate us from God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we do pray that you would help us to get great clarity and discernment about how we can, how we can connect with you. We are humbled. We think of those words of the song that we sang earlier, Come Adore on Bended Knee. And we recognize that there's no way to come to the manger except to kneel down before this baby who is king of the universe. That there is no way for us to, uh, to approach Christmas other than to adore what has been done by you. God, we, uh, we each have ways that we have stepped away from you and have built walls between ourselves and you, and we confess that. But we thank you also that that you are the one who rescues us from all of the perils and all of the disasters that we walk ourselves into. And we thank you that Mary was so humble as to, to see her role as one of following you and in every way, as a mother, as a wife, as your servant, as she says. And so thank you, God, we sing the same song that Mary did, singing, thank you for looking down with favor on the lowliness of your servants. May we magnify you, O God. May our spirits rejoice in you, our Savior. And that it is more than we could ever want that generations from now, people will call us blessed Oh God, you have remembered us, and for that we adore you on bended knee. Amen.